Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo. And today I have with me Carl Tierney from Vision 2. And we're going to talk about the annual stewardship survey. This is our second year that we've done this survey together. And we are really excited about some trends and certainly have some recommendations for you guys. We're really excited about talking about this survey. We'll also put together a report The ladies at the Vision 2, their team has just been working on creating an awesome report for you guys. And I think you're really going to get a lot out of it. I do encourage you to download that, listen to this podcast, of course, if you need to, as we dig into that. But take advantage of this resource. Our hope is not just to put something together that it's a blip on your radar, but it's something that you can continue to come back to. Because I hope that you will use this as you go throughout the year, as you put together a strategy, as you continue to refine your strategy on how you're going to do stewardship and generosity ministry in your church. Carl, why don't you say hi and let's dive right in. Hi, Lou. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, super excited to talk about the survey and uh, and some of the positive trends that we've seen just in the second survey that we did over the first survey. Yeah, and we had a pretty good turnout. We had some new folks that answered the survey this time, and we did poll churches that are uh, under a thousand and churches over a thousand. So that's a distinction. Sometimes we'll we'll talk about the difference there. But Carl, why don't you start with the actual state of giving because that's changed a little bit since last year. Sure. Well, you know, we've seen a 3.4 or 3.5% decline in, in general giving. Inflation adjusted is much larger, um, about 10.5%. That's definitely had an impact on all of us. I think everybody's kind of seen there was a good set of respondents that were talking about that in the survey that they actually felt the, that economic impact from the, from the decline in giving. One of the other interesting things that we saw in the general trend in giving one is that the uh, religious sector stayed constant for year over year in terms of kind of it didn't actually decrease its share. If we look back in way back in like the 1990s, it had a 50% share. It's sitting right now at around a 27% share. I think the more interesting piece of data is what we're seeing in kind of the trend in religious giving and that there's uh, there continues to see uh, seem to be this transition where, you know, people that used to give to their place of worship are actually decreasing their gifts to church, but increasing their giving to faith-based orgs, sometimes over and above what the decline is uh, to their local places, to their local church. That's a trend that combined with the general giving trend that just kind of emphasizes the role and the need for stewardship even more as the Kind of the, the environment that we're operating in is 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 not necessarily as positive as uh, the year before. Yeah, I so agree with you. I think it's hard to know what the congregation is thinking, right? What each individual person in our church is thinking, but especially as younger people are coming in, you know, millennials and Gen Zs are are getting to that adult young adult stage. They're being part of this congregation giving. And yet we're seeing their perception or how they look at things a little bit different than our generation and even the boomers. We used to to be very much about understanding that 
you tithe or you gave to the church because that's, you know, that's what you needed to do in order to make sure that the gospel got out and, of course, people got saved and, and ministry was happening. But what we're seeing is more, especially with social media being so easy for everyone to engage with, and younger people are more likely to spend more time on there. So they are looking at ways to give where they see impact. And so we we talked about, and it is in the survey, this importance of continuing to highlight the impact of what you're giving is actually doing. But we're seeing this trend where people are actually choosing to still give, but they're not giving to the church. And so we're not doing a good job of explaining or educating and equipping people to understand the, the still relevance and importance of the church. And I think that's what we're seeing in this consistent downtrend that more money is moving away from the church to faith-based organizations. So people are probably thinking, I'm still giving to kingdom causes. And yes, I'm not going to argue that that's not true, but yet the church is getting less and less of a of a slice of that giving. So that's concerning. Yeah, and I think I think it gets back to one of the points that you made. You know, when you were talking about it, it's the communication side, and and that's part of the reason why I think. You know, it was nice to see in the data in the survey response where we saw an uptick in the focus on the stewardship role, the, you know, how, how many more larger churches had added or, you know, had a dedicated, uh, you know, paid staff member that was a stewardship leader. Those are all very positive trends in the survey data year over year that we saw. Um, but I think the thing that we're talking about now and part of the challenge with the way that the giving is making its migration it's that communication side and having a consistent and clear strategy um, and, and having somebody that owns that, that can, you know, that drives that through the entire ministry. I think that's, you know, one of the key functions. And I think one of the key things that, you know, is kind of the next step we identified we needed stewardship. And I, I, you can see that that's increasing and growing and that's fantastic. I think the next step is, is now we have to get a little bit more formal about how we use stewardship yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, creating, you know, clear ownership around, you know, who owns the strategy for stewardship and, and not just generosity, but that financial discipleship, it's, it's both sides who owns, you know, and it could be, you know, you can break that up if you wanted to, but somebody has to own the financial discipleship. Because one of the other things that was interesting out of the survey data is that we saw that those organizations that had a clear focus on financial discipleship also had communicated that they were doing better in terms of kind of being on track from their generosity goal perspective, which was another interesting thing that came out of the survey data. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so true. So let's talk about some of those, because what's interesting is what you just said. I think it's very important to highlight is we, we're seeing an, an increase, and it's very encouraging that more and more churches are seeing the relevance of stewardship in talking about giving and being more strategic, but yet we still have a long way to go as far as formalizing what stewardship and generosity ministry really is and why it's such an important, really foundational ministry in the church. And without it, I think we're going to continue to see not only the giving trend, but there's so many other parts of this that we're not even talking about because really we are focusing on discipleship and giving, but we know that we are called to be stewards, right? We are stewards of everything God entrusts to us. So it impacts every area of our lives in one way or another. And, but the church needs to understand its role to begin to shape, especially younger generations, in understanding the biblical principles, understanding their role as stewards, that it is a whole life stewardship um, situation. But when it comes to giving, that's probably the one that we can measure the best. And so let's talk about some of the action items. As we saw some of the findings, we talked about what are some of the things that churches can do to make sure that they're not just 
seeing a little bit of improvement, but continuing to see improvement over the next few years? Well, I think one of the things that, I mean, while we did see a positive uptick in terms of kind of the trend and the focus on the stewardship function within the church, I think one of the things that is still, you know, based on the survey data that we got back, there's still a lot of room for kind of creating, uh, you know, more focus on who's accountable for driving the stewardship strategy. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the overall results, yes, they're up, um, but we still have a, you know, I think we're around 58 uh, for, I think it was like 58 percent or somewhere around there for large churches, um, smaller percentage for uh, smaller churches that had a kind of focused role for that, or at least had more focus on that. I think the challenge is, is that still too low? And we need to kind of see that number go up further. And I think the other thing is, is that, you know, in order for stewardship to be effective, you know, we saw two things that um, are, you know, kind of in the survey data. One is, is that for organizations that shared you know, kind of communicated that everybody was part of stewardship. They were, they seemed to be more effective in terms of kind of staying on track with generosity. But also in the data, I think one of the other things that we saw was, is that there wasn't necessarily always a clear owner um, based on the survey results of who actually owns stewardship. Yeah. Even though we see an increase in kind of like the dedicated role, it's still below 60%. And, I, you know, that's something that I think, you know, everybody should be focused on is how do we how do we create a clear accountability for who owns the strategy for stewardship? It doesn't mean that they're the ones that have to do it all, but somebody has to be the one that says, Hey, like, I'm going to write it down. I'm going to get everybody's input and I'll be the one that like gets the plan down and says, this is what we're going to do. And I'll take responsibility for getting everybody on board with that. Even if it's a volunteer, I think, you know, creating somebody who owns that, uh, what's a communication strategy, the financial discipleship strategy, uh, having a clear owner for that just makes, makes it easier to kind of be more effective at it. And I think, you know, the survey data is, is definitely in the positive trend. I, I don't want to like have everybody feel deflated, but there's still plenty of opportunity uh, to kind of continue to improve in that area. Yeah. And another side to that is the, the senior pastor's involvement. You know, in some churches, the senior pastor is doing everything, which is probably not a great, you know, scenario. In other churches, they're not supporting it enough. So it's it really is that balance of having the preaching and the teaching, right? making sure that the senior pastor and the leadership is supporting the ministry, that it is a cultural value, but at the same time that they have someone that actually owns it, can measure it, and we'll talk about measuring in a little bit, but actually can measure it and say, how are we doing? Are we making any kind of gains on helping people to understand biblical stewardship? Are we actually discipling our people in this area? Because without that, then it may feel like you're doing everything, but how do you know if you're actually succeeding? And not having anyone responsible for it is like saying it's not really important. You know, you said something, and I think it's really kind of a critical thing. And, and you, you articulated it and, and you went over it really quickly, but it's cultural. Like, I actually like the fact that you said it's cultural. It does have to be cultural in order for it to be effective. You know, I, I can't remember who's the person that said, you know, culture eats strategy for breakfast, but it's true. Um, if you can make it part of the culture, you're going to be far more effective at it. And so, you know, I think saying, you know, that that culture word is actually, you know, a critical thing. Um, and that is kind of how it has to be treated. It doesn't mean somebody can't own the, you know, this is the strategy and, you know, is it responsible for instilling the culture? But, you know, it does need to be cultural. It needs to be part of uh, part of the ministry. And, you know, we often talk about financial discipleship and the, and the generosity side. But again, I think, you know, when we're talking about the financial discipleship, if you think about it, you know, and, and I know we've talked about this, uh, you know, or, you know, in our discussions, 
It is one of the things that actually like often can be the source of a lot of contention within a family unit is, you know, the financial pressures. And if we as a ministry, you know, can help relieve that, we're going to build stronger families and a stronger congregation anyway. So there are so many things that, and that's why I love that word culture that you used because it really should be, uh, it needs to be part of the way that, you know, we just operate. Yeah. I mean, talking about money shouldn't be a problem, but if it's not a cultural thing, right? This is what we do. This is what we talk about. It's normal for us to talk about finances in church or to hear our pastor teach on it from time to time or offer classes that will help people get out of debt, get their finances in order, learn how to be more generous, get more involved in kingdom passion type careers because they see themselves as a steward. And if we're not equipping our people to feel that way, then we're really not biblical in in, in one sense or another because we're not really lining up with what what scripture tells us. And so and one of the other findings that we looked at was uh, the primary stewardship goal for uh, the next 12 months. We asked that question, what, what is it? And what's interesting is that we saw an increase in prioritizing stewardship education um, mm-hmm. and a reduction in focusing on just on giving, which we think that's a good thing. If you just talk about yes. giving, 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 then you're really not equipping people to be generous. You're just kind of trying to prime that pump, hoping that something will come out of it but it's really not a great strategy long-term. So that was a very wonderful thing to see is that we are seeing more increase on in prioritization on stewardship education and less on just increase on giving. But the important thing in the action step that we talked about was prioritizing financial discipleship over giving. It's not that you don't talk about both. They are two separate things, but that you prioritize it because when you're building a culture that is uh, a bunch of people that are good stewards and they know that's who God's called me to be and that's what they're trying to be, then when when it's time to give, when the vision for giving comes, when the project comes, people will just see that as, yep, I'm one of God's people that he brought here. I'm a steward, so I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask him how much he wants me to contribute to this particular project. And that's normal for a steward. Uh, It's not normal for somebody who doesn't understand stewardship. They think, well, you know, the church seems to have enough money. I'm feeling kind of bad right now. So, I, you know, yeah. but it's so it's 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 more of it's between me and the church rather than between me and God. And we need to help people understand that giving is between you and God, but it's a result of stewardship. If I accept the fact that I am a steward and that everything I have comes from God, then I'm going to steward everything. And when he says to give, I'll give. But if I think it's mine and the church needs money, then I might be kind and give from time to time. But it's a totally different thing. Well, I think it creates a I think it creates a deeper connection between the you know the the member of the church and the church itself, right? Because it is, I mean, when you're when you get to the point, and, and again, it's why I like the culture word, when it gets to a point where it's comfortable to talk about money, you have an intimate relationship with an organization or with those people that you're talking to when you're willing to, you know, open up and talk about, you know, where you are from a financial perspective. Because it's something that we often, you know, feel very uncomfortable talking about. Um, and if it becomes comfortable, um, you're going to create a, a, a level of connection with those folks. And they're going to have a deeper understanding of the impact that they can have on the church, right? That, I mean, demonstrating an impact uh, through financial discipleship is one of the things that we can use to basically say, this is why, you know, we exist as a church. This is part of what your generosity does. It allows us to run a ministry like this. Um, and, you know, without your generosity, it couldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you know, when you're talking about the actual discipleship, then how how do we do that? So we ask what kind of programs or resources 
uh, are you deploying to disciple your congregation in the area of finances? And we we see a pretty distinct difference between churches under a thousand and those over a thousand, so smaller or larger churches, and uh, and what kind of curriculum they use. And ultimately, it's not about what's best, you know, specific for larger churches or smaller churches. It really depends on your culture. It depends on what works. And it's okay to one of the things that we want to make sure we emphasize is that it's okay to start with an off-the-shelf kind of product, like a Financial Peace University or a Compass or Good Sense. You don't have to create something right from the beginning. In fact, we recommend you don't create something, that you start with something, and then just see if that's meeting the need. And if it's not, you can tweak it. You can create other things to meet those other needs, but ultimately start with something. And what we what we saw in the survey was that I think it was 72% of large churches use some kind of curriculum and 55% of churches didn't, uh, of the smaller churches didn't. And so again, we're, we're not seeing, and it, I think it comes back to the same thing. We're not seeing someone who's responsible and accountable for this discipleship. Right. And, and it goes undone, uh, especially in smaller churches. It seems like when the pastor can't do it, it's not going to get done. And this well, is where you really want to emphasize that you know, your people in your congregation, Scripture says that we are to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So let's equip them and put them in play. I mean, these volunteers should be doing it. You don't have to hire the person. You just need to have someone who's passionate, who yeah. wants to do it, and then give them the free reins to run with it. And Leo, your personal story about how you got involved in stewardship is actually a great example of how this how this happens, right? I mean, that's what you did. You basically raised your hand and said, I would like to get involved in this. Um, you know, and that's, you know, there, there's going to be members, you know, in, in your church, even when you're a smaller church that are going to, you know, will raise their hand and say, hey, you know, I'd really like to to, to do this, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and take advantage of those volunteers, especially as a smaller church. You know, that way, you know, you don't necessarily have to worry about budget or anything, um, you know, to, to start getting more formal about running financial discipleship programs uh, within even when you're a smaller church, because you can leverage that, um, you know, leverage your, leverage your members. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great resource, uh, often underutilized. Um, I think one of my favorite stories actually came out of Saddleback, one of the uh, one of the people that was uh, driving uh, the golf cart uh, back and forth in the parking lot ended up uh, becoming their major gift officer. Uh, you know, see, see, senior seasoned executive, like had you know, like you know, had gone through the halftime program, and he's just out there driving around the golf cart until somebody said, "Well, you know, we had this other need." And he like raised his hand and like, "Oh, we didn't even know you were doing this." <laughs> so it was a, it's a great story. Um, but I think, you know, we all have, you know, within each of our church uh, congregations, we all have people that are passionate and, you know, passionate about their church and passionate about, you know, helping others. And, you know, this is an opportunity for them to engage uh, and, you know, help the ministry. So don't be shy. And I think is, you know, in trying to find somebody to take ownership of the program, even for the ones that we found that didn't have a program in place, the good news is at least half of those uh, also responded that they were in the process of trying to figure one out. Yeah. But to Leo's point, you don't have to build. You don't have to build it. Um, definitely take something off the shelf and then figure out what what you need to change and what you need to you need to use. But that actually brings up one of the other things that we've talked about and been talking about it ever since we did the survey, which is one of the questions that you know we asked was, "Are you measuring participation in these programs?" Mm-hmm. And it was kind of interesting. You know, we didn't get back kind of as high of a number as we thought we would have seen. We know it's an important program, um, but we're not actually following up and saying, okay, well, how many of our members have participated in the program? What's our participation rate? 
it's not monitored like we might monitor a membership class or like who's attended that, um, you know, and it should it should get treated the same way because it's an essential part of kind of like being a good Christian is being a good steward. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we saw in the survey um, was that we need to get better at measuring both participation and effectiveness because it seems like we're not really measuring on the financial discipleship side. You know, I think everybody's kind of at least measuring giving in one way or another because um, we have budgets to make. But like we also need to be measuring like how good are we at the financial discipleship side of the stewardship? What are the metrics that we need to use? What is a good participation rate? Um, you know, because I don't even I, I mean, I don't even think we know what our you know, what, what is the benchmark that we should be shooting for as churches like? It yeah. should we be shooting for 50% participation, 30%? Like, what's the target? Um, and, and I don't think we have enough data based on kind of what we saw in the survey. And, you know, we're going to try and do a better job of collecting information in the next survey around that area is, you know, what are we measuring? What do those metrics look like? Um, and then hopefully maybe we can start to build some kind of benchmark and some kind of baseline so we know we have some way to compare ourselves. Like, are we good at this? Are we bad at this? Or, you know, how are we doing? Yeah, but the, the key point is, and in, in, in the webinar that we did, uh, we actually did a poll and asked uh, the people that were in the webinar if they tracked their, you know, their members' participation. And we only had forty-two uh, percent said yes, and uh, fifty-seven, almost fifty-eight percent said no. So it just shows that you know, just because we're putting on a class, or if we're doing a workshop or a seminar, just because we're doing that doesn't mean it's actually effective. Right. Uh, that's one of the things that that I guess just the way I'm wired is I want to make sure that. What when I do something, it's done well. So when I was the the financial coach guy at our church and leading a team, after three and a half years of serving hundreds of families with a large team of financial coaches that I was overseeing, we recognized that we didn't have the success we wanted. So when we measured it after three and a half years, we should have measured it all along. But right, yeah, right, I was, I was busy, man. But yeah, no, no, I finally, got, I finally I mean, got around to it, and when I when I got around to it. I realized we were maybe at best 15% success. And I thought, man, that's a lot of time, a lot of work, a lot of passion that's being flushed, basically. 85% loss of all the time and the resources that we're spending. Well, and, and I think that's that's the evolution of stewardship, right? I think it's part of us evolving, you know, seeing stewardship evolve. You know, we you know, we we've gotten to the point where we've got curriculums, we're you know, creating focus around the role. Um, but we haven't necessarily gone back to say, okay, well, now how do we measure and get better at it, right? right. You know, it's kind of like that that maturity model where you know we've gotten to the point where we're sort of kind of getting to the point where we can repeat the model, but we haven't gotten to the point where we're actually you know trying to improve and enhance how we do stewardship. And I think until we measure it, to your point. We won't know, and we've got to measure it in, in a whole bunch of different ways. That you know, how effective are we? You know, we got to follow up not only just after the through the program, six months after the program. We need to create this this way to kind of give ourselves some feedback, so we can figure out you know how do we improve either curriculum, coaching, how we're talking to people, how often we engage them. You know, we, we just need to get better at the process, and and I think that's all part of why we need we need to measure on the financial discipleship side, which you know isn't getting you know we're sort of kind of getting some measures. People are at least saying, hey, we know who went to class, but I think we need to go like, okay, how effective was the class? Yeah. Follow up on that. You know, how effective was the curriculum? And we need to get better at you know, are you able to practice it? You know, where are you stumbling? And and it needs to be an ongoing uh, relationship. It can't just be the class. 
Um, yeah. And I think metrics will help drive all of that because we'll get smarter about how we need to engage. Yeah, and I don't think it's too early to start this. Let me emphasize that because I wish I would have started measuring from the beginning. I don't think it would have taken me three and a half years to switch gears and find a different way that did work better. Um, but my point is that it's never too early to measure. No matter what you're doing, if it's interesting because if you look at like Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University, there's certain things that they track. I think part of that is because it's kind of exciting to celebrate people paying off debt, cutting up credit cards. So it does create a buzz. But it's more than that. Are you actually seeing people change? And one of the things that we had to make sure that was, was happening is not that people were just you know putting a budget in place or getting out of debt. Those are great things. What we wanted to see is a spiritual transformation. We wanted to see spiritual growth. So we actually asked, did this class or this workshop help you grow spiritually? And if they answered yes, we'd say, would you share how? Just a paragraph, just something, let us know how. And it was it was testimonies like, well, we weren't in agreement about giving. Now we are, and we began to give consistently. Or we never really put a budget together because we never thought that this was really anything that we needed to do. And now we recognize as stewards that we are accountable for everything that God puts in our hands. So all of a sudden, it's no longer a money thing. It's a spiritual thing. And I think that's such an important thing to understand that we're not just, again, we're going back to what are we asking people to do is to understand stewardship as a financial discipline, but it's discipleship, right? I mean, that's what this is. So discipleship is about being a, a, a closer and more intimate follower of Christ. It's not about budgeting per se. Well, it's, uh, it, it's, but it is part of the, the transformation, right? I, I can't, I can't be, I, I'm not going to be a good Christian if I'm not a good steward of the resources that, that God gave me. I mean, that's part of my evolution as a Christian, right? That's part of how my personal transformation that has to, you know, that you want to see take place. Um, and we should be asking about it and we should be, you know, again, measuring like, did we, did, were we successful or not? And, and not everybody's going to succeed at their budgets. It's not, you know, we're not looking for hundred percent, but anything we can do to incrementally, you know, be more effective in creating better stewards. And that's part of the reason why we need to measure, right? It's, that's how we'll figure out, you know, what we need to change or how we do things differently. And if we don't get feedback and don't collect it in some kind of formal basis, it's difficult to kind of figure out like, what do I need to change or what do I need to do differently to be better at this? Well, I do hope that you're enjoying this conversation and we're going to come right back to it. But I want to take just a minute to introduce you to one of our ministry partners. CSN's ministry would not be possible without the help of our partners. And frankly, we would want to do it without them. What they offer to churches and church leaders through services, content, and resources that they have is invaluable to building a healthy stewardship ministry and helping their people to become good stewards and generous givers. This episode is sponsored by Mortarstone. Mortarstone's mission is to serve the church by helping them cultivate generosity and grow generous disciples. Their powerful analytics tool provides comprehensive data analysis and reporting capabilities that enable churches to gain deep insights into their donors' engagement. This information can be used to develop targeted strategies, increase donor retention rates, and ultimately drive greater impact in the communities they serve. To further enable the church, Mortarstone offers one-on-one -on -one coaching to develop a long-term ministry vision and strategy for your church. Mortarstone is more than software. They come alongside to be your ministry partner. Sign up today for free at mortarstone.com. Carl, let's switch gears. We've been talking about stewardship, having a, a person that's accountable for that role. 
making financial discipleship a priority. Let's uh, let's talk about generosity because that's still very important. These are both important topics. They are different, but they are important. And part of the survey is we we did ask about generosity and, and how churches are doing as far as uh, their messaging in that. So why don't you share kind of what we asked and then let's talk about what we found and some action steps. Well, we asked, uh, just as we did in the first survey, who's kind of accountable for generosity. We wanted to know where people were thinking about generosity, also how generosity was communicated. So we wanted to get uh, kind of get a better understanding of how generosity is communicated to the congregation. Um, what does that look like? And so there's a couple of interesting things that happened, again, from survey to survey. So our first survey, when we sent it out, um, we got a lot of responses that the CFO or the director of finance the executive pastor, they were the ones that were responsible for generosity within the church. One of the things that was interesting in this survey was that disappeared. Um, it ended up being primarily the senior pastor and the stewardship pastor, which was a big shift um, between survey one and survey two. So that was actually really encouraging because, you know, we know that when the senior pastor is talking about generosity, that's going to help uh, on that side. But it's also great to see stewardship's increased role, and it actually increased dramatically. They were way behind the CFO role and director of finance role in the first survey. And, you know, we didn't see as many uh, CFOs uh, respond. That was actually, again, another really encouraging trend. I think one of the other things uh, that we also saw in shift in the survey was, you know, kind of what their primary goal was. You know, for the longest time, I think for the first survey, I, um, I think I have this right. It was like recurring giving was actually the biggest focus for uh, on the next uh, you know 12 months of generosity. And it's actually shifted. And it was interesting, even at the CSM conference, you heard people start talking more about how do I connect people about impact and inspiring generosity instead of just saying, hey, look, we got to get a recurring gift. Um, so that was great. I mean, you know, a lot of the presenters and even the survey results all show that we have a general increase, a, month, a huge increase, actually, in the focus on how we communicate about generosity uh, to the congregation, which is fantastic. Because, again, we're, we, you know, we've got that trend uh, that went the wrong way in terms of kind of people no longer giving to their, you know, to their local church and giving to faith-based organizations. And that's all about, you know, those faith-based organizations are inspiring generosity, talking about impact. And we clearly, as as churches, are responding and saying, hey, yeah, we've got to do the same thing. And that was great to see uh, in terms of kind of the survey response. So that was that was, uh, that was fantastic to see um, that kind of shift because uh, it was dramatic, uh, I think, from the first survey to the second survey. So that was fantastic. Um, and again, with kind of the way that giving has been going and that, that trend in terms of kind of moving to faith-based organizations, I think it's really essential. You know, promoting, uh, you know, I think recurring giving uh, did come in as the second kind of primary focus. Recurring giving is still essential. It's a great thing, especially for people that are already regular giving. And I think I've, I've said this a couple of times, but I can tell you looking across the churches that, that we serve, um, those households that have recurring giving, even for households that are giving the same frequency every month, they never miss versus those that have recurring gifts. The ones that have recurring gifts actually typically are more generous with the church. And I think it gets into, you know, one of the things we're talking about on the financial discipleship, their tithe is budgeted. So that's done, right? Mm -hmm. So when the church says, hey, we've got a special need, they're, they're not going like, oh, I'll just divert my tithe over here. They're like going like, oh, I'm going to give above that. And so we generally see that those that have recurring gifts to the general offering are typically anywhere from 20 to 30% more generous than those people that are writing a check 
and doing it that way every month. So even though it may feel like, oh, I don't want to pay extra fees and all of that stuff, you're actually going to get not only, you know, the fact that that gets baked and if, you know, they go out of town or something, that that generosity doesn't disappear, but you're also going to see that they're going to, they've already budgeted that. And so it's part of their, you know, financial budget. It's just done. So if they have, if you have extra needs or you have a campaign running or you're, you know, you're trying to do, you know, something, you know, a project, uh, you know, whether it's a building improvement or something of that nature, you're trying to start up another ministry, they're going to have that baked in and they'll give over and above what they've already got on the recurring gift side. So recurring giving is still important. It should still be part of your generosity, but it starts with the, with the communication on inspiring generosity in the first place. You know, one of the things that continues to be uh, something that we're interested in and we've asked is how are we tracking, you know, the fact that we now have this online digital experience from, a, you know, from a, an attendance perspective. I still don't, I, I don't think we have much maturity around uh, how we measure, how effective we are at reaching, you know, digital, digital attenders, um, if they're pure digital um, and what that looks like in terms of kind of both the financial discipleship side of stewardship, as well as the generosity side. I, I don't think based on kind of the way that we were seeing in both the survey results and some of the anecdotal conversations we've had, I think we've got work to do in terms of kind of getting more mature about and more structured about how do we actually engage and measure our effectiveness on the you know digital only side, since you know most churches are still in that we're doing a hybrid, right? We've got in-person, but we also offer the, the digital experience. And so we have to figure out how we get better at kind of understanding, you know, what does that mean to us in terms of kind of, you know, bringing them not only in from a membership and kind of an attender side, but how do we talk to them about financial discipleship and then also generosity? So in, in the time we have left, I think one of the things that we wanted to really touch on is kind of our five main takeaways that we really want to focus on. And again, I know I've said it earlier, but I do encourage you to download this report. Take some time, uh, put it on your calendar as like an appointment, a meeting for like an hour or two. So you can really dig into this. I think you'll find a lot of useful information. The more time you spend looking at these trends, looking at the action steps and the findings, I think the more beneficial it would be for you and your church. And again, our, our goal is really to serve the the stewardship and generosity folks that are in the church that are focusing on this, that have this as a um, something they're accountable for, hopefully, and and really to help continue to build this. We are really encouraged that we're seeing. Maybe it's just maybe it's a little bit of our influence. Maybe it's influence uh, because of the movement of stewardship and generosity continuing to grow, which we're very excited about. But we do want to continue to do this so that we're giving you the ability to look and say, how am I measuring up to this? Am I taking into consideration some of these findings and how it's impacting our own culture at our church? And then what do we do with it? Because I think it's important to stay on top of it, continue to, to innovate and continue to find ways to make sure that the trend of giving and stewardship continues to go upward, not downward. So, uh, Carl, let's start with the first one uh, as, as it relates to stewardship and generosity. Uh, our first takeaway was every size church needs a personal financial discipleship strategy, that is stewardship, in order to cultivate a culture of generosity. Why don't you comment on that? Well, I think, I, you know, I think if we don't have somebody that owns, uh, you know, picking the program, scheduling it, getting the instructors organized, making sure all the other ministries are on board, making sure that we've got a plan to communicate, you know, that the, the, what we're trying to do around financial discipleship, if somebody doesn't own kind of making sure all that happens, it doesn't mean they have to do it all, but somebody needs to own it. And, 
that will just make us more effective, right? And so it's just about it's about creating organizational effectiveness. You know, uh, you know, we just need we need somebody to own. They don't have to do it all, but we need somebody to own the process. And somebody should own the process, whether that's a volunteer or a paid staff member. It doesn't really matter, but somebody should own it. Um, you can divide it up and have you know somebody owns generosity and somebody owns financial discipleship. But we need to create clear ownership so that the strategy gets executed. And uh, I think that's that's you know what we're what we're saying. If you don't own it, and again, we saw a positive trend in in terms of kind of the focus on stewardship, survey over survey. However, there's still plenty of room uh, for improvement. So uh, you know, trying to find again, even if it's a volunteer, trying to find somebody to own the program. Yeah. And you kind of bled over into the second one, which is the stewardship role, that the fact that it needs to be someone that's accountable for it. And we want to emphasize, again, consider a potential volunteer with financial expertise or someone that's just passionate about this topic. It doesn't have to be a financial planner or somebody that's in the financial sector, but it has to be someone that's passionate about biblical stewardship, financial stewardship, and wants to really share that with everyone. I do believe that there's someone, at least one person in every church that has that bug and they just need a vision. They just need someone to cast a vision and they're going to be on board and they're going to be um, running with it. So consider a volunteer. If you're in a smaller church, especially uh, I'm speaking to senior pastor, executive pastors, please take advantage of the people that God has put in that congregation. Uh, I hate to see, and, and I do run into stewardship champions that I meet through CSN who are in a church that nobody, they, they're their lone ranger, they're trying to ring this bell and nobody's paying attention. And I just want to say to everything your pastor, especially at small churches, is God's giving you this gift. Use them. They yeah. are going to thank you for giving them the opportunity to exercise the passion that God's given them and, and do what God called them to do. All right. Number three is metrics. You can't improve what you don't measure. So track more than giving amounts. Measure the specific behaviors that impact spiritual growth. Yeah, I think, and again, this gets into the you know the the poll that we ran during the, the webinar. It's definitely clear that you know we need to improve our, our our metrics around the financial discipleship side of stewardship. We do have people at least tracking like who's going to class and who hasn't, but we also need to track whether or not those classes are effective. Did they actually increase spiritual growth? And we need to have a plan that says. How are we going to measure that over time? Because it can't just be, okay, I got through the class and then I do the metrics and then I'm done. We actually have to go reconnect with those people over time and make sure that the plan is still effective because it's one thing to establish a budget. It's another thing to follow it, um, especially over time. Yeah. And, and also, you know, this, this relates to both generosity and stewardship because it's okay to measure. It's not just okay. You have to measure giving trends as well. Because those also tell a story. And so yes. when you measure when you connect stewardship and generosity together and you have a strategy and a plan on how you're going to disciple your people in this area, you're going to see an increase in giving. I believe you will see that. But if you don't measure it, you may not realize that it's working, or you may not realize if it's not working. So you should see an improvement in both of them, that people are actually doing it, that it's working, that if you're teaching them how to get on a budget, that 10 years later, they're still on a budget or five years later, whatever. And this is something that was very important to me as I was doing this, this coaching uh, side of the ministry is I wanted to make sure that when we're teaching someone how to budget, that three, four, five, six months, a year from now, I was going to run into them in the hallway of the church and they say, yeah, I've been meaning to call, you know, call you because we need to get back on that budget. If I ever heard that, and it happened a couple of times, it was so frustrating because I'm like, wait, you spend weeks 
learning how to do this. And then what? What happened? And I took it personal because I thought, what did I not do to help them stick with it? Like, how could I have done a better job of increasing the value so that they would say, I can't live without this? And, you know, both on the measure side, but I think it also gets into our communication and our engagement plan for, you know, it can't just be, I got you through the class. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, three years later, I think that's the, you know, one of the things that we're, as we measure, we're going to figure out is, is that just like we were talking about, we have to inspire generosity, we have to communicate about impact. We're going to find on the financial discipleship side, we're going to have to do the same thing after they get through the class. And that we're also going to have to do something before they even get to the class. Yeah. And we're going to figure out, you know, and we're going to get better at it. And this is one of the things that I think, you know, as we share more and, you know, again, benchmark and share information, you know, amongst ourselves uh, as churches, we're going to find that, you know, we're going to figure out like these are the things we can do to make our, you know, our financial discipleship programs more effective. Um, but, you know, it starts with measures and, and clear communication plans. And again, somebody's got to own it and say, hey, you know, not only are we going to run the class, but. You know, I, you know, we're going to re-engage these folks at, you know, 60, 90, 120 days out and kind of reconnect with them and make sure they're on track. And, you know, you got to you got to put structure and process in place for that to work. And so that's, again, why you got to have somebody that owns it, even if they're a volunteer. Um, but, you know, if we can do that, then we're going to get more effective and the metrics will show that. Yeah. Yeah. It's excellent. So number four takeaway, clarify messaging. Frequent planned messaging is vital to ensure it is effective, clearly defined terms like stewardship, generosity, and even tithing. Without clarification, your members will decide on their own definitions to these concepts and then may fail to grasp the meaning of your messaging. So it's so crucial for us to understand that, you know, when we use these terms, we need to clarify and actually educate. We really do. We need to educate our congregation what we mean when we say stewardship, what we mean when we say generosity, what tithing is. One of the things that uh, the report will show you guys is a study that was done by Lifeway, I believe. And it showed how so many people, when they hear tithing, they don't necessarily think what the Bible says. They might think, well, that's just me giving every once in a while. And it's not 10% of the you know gross. It, some think it's 10% of the net. So there's just, my point is, it's, it's, there's just confusion. And the confusion is there because there's no clarity in the messaging. And if we are clearer in the messaging, then we can educate and then people know what to expect. And when we're talking about one thing, they understand it and we can take them down that road. So it's so crucial that we we do a better job of communicating on these issues. Well, I think one of the other things that you know we don't do enough of is we don't actually ask uh, you know, and it was kind of indicated in in, uh, in some of the information that we collected. We don't actually ask the members what those what they think those terms mean we don't know what they even have as a definition so until we even ask and find out what they believe generosity is it's very difficult to even figure out like well what do i got to educate them on because right. you know to a large degree you know when especially and this is true of any organization it's not like anybody's doing anything bad but often we you know we walk down the hall and we talk with people that are speaking our language and we're already kind of already have a language and a definition and a clarity around what the message is, but that's our inside organization that has that. And especially when we're dealing with a congregation and they don't have the benefit of being around all the time, they don't get that same indoctrination. So it's one of the thing, one of the best things you can do on this front, not only to clarify the message, but you want to figure out what message you've already delivered even by accident, 
because um, you may have delivered a message by accident and not know it. And the only way you're going to find out is you ought to ask the members, just survey them and say, well, what do you think generosity means? Like, you know, what, what is it? What is your definition of it? And uh, even if it's anecdotal, I mean, you'll get good information back that will help you kind of shape your message. Uh, so you'll be able to clarify, this is what we need. This is what it means here for our church. And if we don't ask the members, it's very difficult to figure out, like, what should the message be? Because, you know, often we're a function of the environment we operate in. And so our message and what we think that means could be entirely different from what they think it means. And so, you know, easiest way to figure out what you got to clarify is find out what they think it means. Yeah, that's that's very wise. Don't assume you know everything. Just ask and get the information so you know. Yeah, it's the easiest thing to do, just ask. <laughs> Yeah. But but it'll be insightful, too, because it'll give you information about, you know, these are the things that we have to improve on. So it's, you know, it's always great to try and, you know, especially when you're trying to be effective at communication is, is to actually, you know, as we're talking about metrics, like go figure out whether or not you actually communicated the message you thought you did. Yeah, it's good. So the last takeaway, number five, is a balanced approach. There's no silver bullet. An effective stewardship strategy must include financial education. We talked about that. That's crucial. Plan generosity messaging. You got to be intentional about that. Don't just kind of throw it out there. Senior pastor involvement. That's crucial to the ministry, both on the stewardship and generosity side. And then demonstrating impact uh, and last trusting God. And not that trusting God is last, but we definitely need to include that because ultimately our goal is really to disciple people. It comes down to that. What we're trying to do through the survey and through everything that both our organizations are involved in is really to educate people to understand how to be more effective in their stewardship. And that will include giving, that will include, of course, managing and, and doing everything God's called them to do with what God's put in their hands. And the foundation of that is trusting God. If we don't trust God, then everything else kind of falls apart from there. But we as a church need to be intentional about educating. We need to be intentional about our messaging, just as we talked about, make sure that you know what your communication is actually communicating or not. And then it's so crucial to have a senior pastor and then let people know. I, I think the one thing that we all want to see, and, and we started with this, talking about the giving trends on how the church is getting a smaller and smaller piece of that pie. And we want to see that impact be more um, clear to people in the church, to understand that the church isn't just four walls where people come, huddle up for a couple hours and then go home that there's more going on. And I think churches are terrible uh, most of the time with talking about impact. And and I know we're getting better, so I'm grateful for that because we are seeing a, an improvement, but we need to do a better job of helping people understand what the church actually does um, because it is still the hope. It's still what Jesus is building and we want to support it. And we believe stewardship and generosity is at the core of that. Absolutely. And, and again, I think that I mean, your point about how bad we are, it's only because we're so humble, right? One of the things that, you know, I, every time we I've ever you know been challenged on the, well, how do I inspire generosity? All I have to do is spend five minutes asking that person, like, what does your church do besides the Sunday service? And they'll start rattling off like all the things they're doing. And I'm like, there you go. Like, it's not just like, hey, I just ran the worship service. It's yes, that's important. And definitely very important, but you do all of these other things too. And, and we always forget about it, you know, because it's kind of, again, because we're inside the, you know, inside the church, we're on the inside. Yeah. We just assume everybody knows that. And no, they don't. Because again, that gets back to the consistent communication about what it is we're doing. Consistent communication about the impact that generosity has. 
consistent communication about what the impact financial discipleship has. If we're not communicating and not measuring that effectiveness of that communication and being clear about what we're communicating, it's very difficult for us to actually run those, run that stewardship program successfully. So it's, you know, we do have to have a plan, we have to measure it, and we have to figure out whether or not we're effective at it. So true. Well, Carl, thank you. Um, first of all, thank you. And also thank your staff. Your team has done such a great job putting this content together. Uh, the surveys continue to improve. Our hope is to continue to do this. Uh, we're excited that it is trending in the right direction. We want to be a resource to you. So if you're listening to this podcast, we encourage you to connect both with CSN and with Vision2. Both of these organizations are really driven to help you in this area of financial discipleship. As a network, we are connecting other stewardship leaders to one another. We have a membership. Um, you can be part of that so that you can learn strategy. You can learn content. You can learn so many different ways of doing this. Because uh, as we said earlier, there's no one size fits all. Every church is unique in its own way. And so we want to come alongside and help you to do that. Vision 2 is a great resource. They work with churches and understand giving and all that it entails. So, you know, take advantage of that. This is something that you have to understand. If you're not measuring the giving, you don't really know what your congregation understands about generosity or stewardship. So it's important to have the right uh, tools and the right uh, team to help you to understand that. So I'm grateful that they are supporters of CSN in every way. Uh, but more than that, they're our friends. And we're excited to continue to do these surveys for you so that you can benefit. And hopefully your church will continue to evolve uh, in this area of stewardship and generosity. Thanks again for being with us. If you are listening to this uh, toward the beginning of January is when we're putting this out. We're going to be together in just a couple of months in March 4th through the 6th, 2024. We will be in uh, sunny Florida, uh, Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. We'll host uh, the CSN Forum. We encourage you to come. Uh, come meet Carl. Come meet their team. Uh, come meet me and, and all our uh, folks at CSN and learn what this whole movement is about. Yeah, if you really want to understand it better and understand some of the resources that are available to you, join us for the forum. Uh, you can find out more at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. And for Vision 2, you can go to vision2.com. Is that right? Yes, sir. All right. Carl, thanks again for uh, for being with me today. And uh, well, thanks, thanks so much for having me. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of Stewardship Leader. If you enjoyed it and found it valuable, please share it with someone you think would also find it valuable. If you've not yet subscribed to our podcast or left us a review, please do so. This will ensure you're automatically receiving the latest content we produce and will help others to find this podcast as well. If you want to know more about CSN and how we can help you and your church create a culture of good stewardship and generosity, go to our website, christianstewardshipnetwork.com. There you will find many resources and events and how you can become a member of our community. We'd love to be in your corner helping you to build a stewardship ministry in your own church. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader. Music